Last week, we talked about uh, Joseph and his re-encounter uh, with his brothers. Uh, after that meeting, uh, all of Joseph's family moved from Egypt, uh, from uh, uh, um, uh, moved to Egypt, and they enjoyed a favored status in Egypt for hundreds of years. They were growing and they were multiplying just as God had promised and said that he would do and he would bless them. And things seemed to be going really, really well. The story takes an ominous turn when we read the first words of our text for today, which comes from Exodus chapters 1 and 2. But in verse 8, we read, And then there arose a new king in Egypt who didn't know Joseph. And so the king, this new Pharaoh, is kind of choosing not to remember Joseph and his family and all the good that they had done for Egypt, but he is concerned about this growing community because they have become more numerous and more powerful than many of the actual Egyptians in the country. And so uh, as he feels threatened by their size and power, he he acts in a way that, uh, that is horrible for the people of God. Uh, he chooses to enslave them and begins uh, this uh, horrible treatment of the Israelites for the next coming years. And as we know, as the people cry out to God, God raises up a liberator. Uh, he raises up Moses, who will free the people from Egyptian slavery and bondage, and lead them towards uh, the promised land through the desert. Now, when we think of Moses, uh, we will often, maybe especially you kids, will think about Moses as a little baby in this little basket that his mom, that his sister and his mom kind of put in the water to, to, to as he floats down the, the, the Nile River. Uh, a lot of our older folks uh, are going to be thinking about this 1956 movie um, called the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And when they think of Moses, that is the image that they see. Some of us younger folks are uh, uh, don't, don't remember that movie very well. But David knows it really well, and uh, you can ask him about it at some point if you'd like. Um, but, but you know, there, there's something interesting. E even before Moses was born, and then when he was set afloat on the river, there were five women who chose to misbehave and disobey orders in quiet and subversive ways that set in motion everything that happens in the Exodus. These weren't great historic figures. They didn't have prominent positions of power, but they were simple. They were simply women who saw injustice and oppression and said in whatever they, way they could, they said, no, we're not going to do this. As we read these uh, verses in Exodus 1 and 2, uh, listen and pay attention for uh, these women and, uh, and, and see how God uh, used them to help Moses be born and then to survive his childhood. I'll be reading from Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, through the first part of, uh, of chapter 2. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who no knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. Uh, he said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. Uh, we must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us, and then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. 
They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pitham and Ramses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all the work in the fields. They were ruthless in their demands. Verse 15, Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and they have their babies so quickly that we can't get there in time. So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all the people, throw every newborn boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket. The Hebrew word is the same word that's used for ark in, in Noah's day. She got a basket and, and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to go get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Shall I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your work. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, her mother, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Such an amazing story. Did you catch the five women? I'd like to just kind of think through out loud for just a second about them. The, the, the first two, in fact, the only two that have a name in all of this narrative, not even the king, the Pharaoh has a name, but the only two that have a name in this story are Moses, obviously, at the end of our reading, but then are these two midwives, Shifra and Puah. Have you ever heard of them before? Are, are they names that show up on your list of greatest Bible heroes? Probably not. We don't really know if they were Hebrew or Egyptian. The Hebrew is a little bit tricky. We don't know if when it says that they were Hebrew midwives, if they were actually Hebrews or they were midwives to the Hebrews. But at the end of the day, their job was to help Hebrew women give birth. They were present at the beginning of countless thousands of lives. And they were present in ways that no one else was 
during their time. But more importantly about their presence, they decided that they would say no to the king and they would not kill the Hebrew boys as they were born. They did this because they feared the God of Israel. Now, in, in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, fearing God doesn't mean being terrified of God, doesn't mean being as scared of, or afraid of God, scared of God. It, it means trusting God and having reverence to, to do the things that he asks. And, and, you know, these women are amazing. I can't imagine. Not only do they disobey, but then when they got called on the carpet and they had to stand face to face with Pharaoh, they found the courage to lie to his face and to come up with a story about how they weren't able to kill the babies because the Hebrew women were giving birth so quickly. They chose to say no to his plan of death and destruction. And they chose to say yes to their task of bringing life into the world and giving life. The, the, the second person, the, the, the third person, but the second group of individuals, the third person, the third woman that we see is Moses's mother. In this text, she doesn't have a name. Later, she's named, and her name is Jochebed. Um, she was already a mother to a, to a girl and a boy, Miriam and, and Aaron. Um, in the middle of a genocide, she finds herself pregnant. And you can imagine all of the emotions that would come with that. You know, I, some of you have family members or you know individuals who have gotten pregnant during this pandemic. And you think, wow, what is it like to give birth during a pandemic? And early on, uh, uh, when the numbers were extremely high, fathers couldn't even be present uh, to, to accompany their, their, their wives in the birth of their children. Uh, uh, now things are becoming a little more relaxed. Thankfully, the numbers are going down. But, uh, but, but can you imagine what that's like? Well, it wasn't necessarily planned that way by anybody, except maybe by, by God himself. And so Jacobed delivers a baby boy, and she knows what that means. The boy will die. So she defies Pharaoh, and she decides to hide the baby for three months. And every day wondering, is this the day I'm going to be discovered? She said no to Pharaoh, and she said yes to this little creature, this little uh, uh, boy. The, the, the fourth woman we see is not really actually a woman at all. It's a girl, uh, Miriam, Moses' sister. Uh, you know, she's growing up in a time of danger and violence and, and slavery of her people and then experiencing, witnessing the pain and the grief that her mom must be going through. Uh, she wasn't old enough probably to know everything that was happening, but she could see that her mom wanted to save this little baby boy, Moses, and so she did her part. Can, can you imagine her walking or running alongside the Nile River? Uh, it's a pretty large river, and, uh, and, and, and obviously Moses would have been in this little basket near the edge, near the bulrushes perhaps, and she's just kind of watching to see and making sure it doesn't tip over or doesn't capsize. And then can you imagine her fear when she notices that, that Pharaoh's daughter is coming down to the river and thinking, oh no, what's she going to do with this Hebrew baby? Is she going to kill it? Is she going to have her servants kill it? And, and, and so all of those emotions, and then when she sees what Pharaoh's daughter does, 
to have the courage to walk up to Pharaoh's daughter and say, hey, you look like you need some help. I know someone that can help nurse this baby. Miriam, from a very young age, had this courage and faith to, to be able to stand up and stand up for God and for her family. Uh, the fifth woman is the woman who has power in this story. Uh, she is from an elite class, uh, the very princess of Egypt. She had every uh, 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 luxury you could imagine. Uh, uh, she wasn't worried about slavery. She wasn't really thinking about genocide. She wasn't thinking about oppression or racism. All she knew is there was this little baby who was crying. Now, surely she knew about her dad's law, but she decided she would say no to her father and say yes to this baby. And so she saved this baby and she used her power and her influence to save Moses' life. All the heroes in this story are women. It's amazing when you think about it, especially during a patriarchal time when women were considered as a little bit higher than property and as animals. William Booth is the founder, was the founder of the Salvation Army, and, and he was criticized quite severely for putting women in positions of authority, leadership positions in his organization. Uh, and so uh, his reply was, well, the reason I do it is because all my best men are women. <laughs> all my best men are women. You know, these women, these five women uh, were all very different from each other. Uh, 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 but in the, in, in, at the same time, they, they were all very same because in each of their own quiet ways, they said no to the violence, the death, the injustice that was going on all around them. And they said yes to God. And they said yes to life. And they said yes to love and compassion. You know, today we begin a new chapter in our uh, uh, walk through the Old Testament, uh, the book of Exodus. The Exodus is one of those momentous, powerful uh, uh, moments in Israel's history. It's actually the beginning, the birth of this new nation. It starts with this showdown between Moses and Pharaoh and, and Pharaoh with his gods on his side and Moses with the God of Israel on his side. And they have this showdown between the plagues. And, and when you think about the magnitude of this entire endeavor and where this is going to lead, it's amazing to think that it starts with five seemingly insignificant women doing just a little bit, doing their part to say no to the death and destruction and to say yes to God. The Exodus doesn't start with a thunderclap. It doesn't start with this booming voice. It doesn't start like the book of Genesis starts. It starts with these seemingly insignificant people maybe kind of like you and me. I don't know whether you think of yourself as a significant person in this world, but as we look around us, we're all impacted by, by the violence and the death and the injustice and the inequity we see. And as we think about 
where we are as individuals and as a community and as a people of God, we realize we don't have the resources of a Pharaoh. We don't have the resources of a president. Many of us don't even have the resources of a CEO. In fact, if our hope is in big business or our hope is in government to save humanity, then our hope is misplaced because they've shown that at the end of the day, they're just not as qualified to do those things. So, so what can we do? Well, as individuals who might not have a whole lot of power, who might not have a whole lot of standing in our world, we have the power to say no. We can say no to things around us. We can say no to those situations that we see that we know just aren't right. We can say no to oppression. We can say no to hate. We can say no to injustice. We can say no to exclusion. We also have the power to say yes. And we can say yes to God. And we can say yes to life. We can say yes to love. And we can say yes to justice and peace and inclusion. God's love for all people, regardless of skin color, regardless of their country of origin, regardless of the language they speak, regardless of their occupation and what they do, we can say, yes, God is on our side and God is on the side of love. You, you can stand up for someone that you know is being bullied. Don't stay quiet. Stand up for them. Say yes to friendship and say yes to inclusion. You can call out hatred. Say no to hatred wherever you see it. You can choose the path of love rather than hate. You can choose to forgive when the world tells you to get revenge. Don't let the world determine your agenda. Do the right thing, even if it's not the popular thing. Say no to those forces of evil that are all around us and say yes to the power and the influence of love. Do you have the courage to say no? You know, that courage doesn't come naturally. In fact, according to this text that we've read, that courage comes supernaturally. The courage that Sifra and Pua, I hope those names stick with you, the courage that Sifra and Pua had came out of their love and respect for God, knowing that his way was a good way and that if we will follow in his paths, then he will truly bless us and walk with us through this life. As you contemplate your life and you think about what needs to change, there might be some things you need to change in terms of habits, in terms of behaviors, perhaps beliefs, attitudes towards God, towards people. We can help you with some of that. So please let us know. If you've gotten to a point where you recognize you need to start over and you want to be baptized so that you can begin this new life in Jesus, we would love to help you with that. Uh, we promise as much as possible to practice distancing, kind of hard in a baptism, but we will be having, we will wear masks and we will do everything we can to keep you safe and, uh, and, and help you through this process. Courage to say no 
can come from God. Look to him and you'll find your strength. Uh, our brother Alfonso Thomas is here to, uh, to, to pray for us and with us. And so I invite him to come. God bless your day and uh, uh, stay strong and stay safe.